Hey guys, Austin Nasso here with another episode of Working Comic Podcast. I'm sitting here with Gina Ippolito, who is the former writer for The Regular Show, writer for Bunked. She started the LA Comedy Jobs page, worked with College Humor, Screen Junkies, Honest Trailers, Funny or Die. She's a writer, performer, host, voiceover artist, director, and producer. So many things. Everyone immediately tunes out. <laughs> yeah, everyone's just like, I They're give like, up. She sounds like a bitch. <laughs> Dude, you've, you've done like, every, I'm, I'm amazed by how many things you've done. Like, Thank I want to kind of start off with really addressing that. So you just the sheer quantity of things you've done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I hate not being busy. So anytime I have free time, I'm like, what else could I be doing? I'm also just like really fast. Like I think just because I started in sketch and I got used to like writing a lot of sketches in a short period of time and just writing for internet, you sort of have to do that. So now when I write on real shows, not that internet isn't real shows, sorry, internet audience, uh, then I, I just write really fast and then I'm like, all right, what should I do with the rest of my time? I might as well start a new Facebook group or something. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm basically. I'm insane. That's so cool. Um, how how do you personally strike the balance? Do you find it difficult to wear many hats and do all those things and be good at all those things? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely like better at some than others. Uh, like writing is my main forte, and then occasionally I'm lucky enough that people will be like, "Hey, did you want to act in this thing?" And I'm like, "Okay." Uh, but I think it is. It is sort of hard to be awesome at everything so i'm sort of like i'll be good at one thing and mediocre at all the other things wow so your main forte is, you'd say is writing so out of all yeah those, yeah definitely that's cool um so do you do you have any free time do you feel like you have any free time i mean i try to i try to make free time uh like i try to take advantage of it when i can i'm also like really into i'm italian so i'm really into like hosting things and planning things so when i do have free times i'm like you know what? I might as well plan a camping trip for the comedy community. Uh, like after we're podcasting today, we're I'm I'm having a uh, party for iOS, which recently shut down at Bordner's today from 4 p.m. on. I realize by the time you hear this podcast, it won't it won't uh, <laughs> be, be today anymore. But you know, you can still show up at Bordner's a week from now, and I'm sure it'll still be there. Bordner's will still be there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's epic. I, I I totally relate to that. I feel like. I, I love doing like the community side of things and bringing yeah. people together and also just putting on like events and just taking, starting things. I feel yeah. like I, do, I like, I, I, I do that too. Both East coast Italians, man. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta do something with our time. Lazy here in lazy California. Dude, it's actually crazy. <laughs> I can't, I can't sit still either. Like, yeah. Yeah. I really like there might be something wrong be with busy. us. I go to bed at like 2 a.m. Like every night. Yeah. And go to work the next. Like I don't Ugh. know how. I'm... That's the one thing is like I I need sleep, so I try and like get a lot of sleep. But if I didn't have a job, I would I would go to bed at like 2 a.m. and then just sleep until noon. Dude. Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> um. So I want to sort of get into like with that being said, with you doing all that stuff, can you walk us through like what's a day in your life like? Yeah, uh, so if I'm staffed on a show, which right now I'm staffed on uh, uh, Bunked, uh, which is a show for Disney. So I'll wake up around 8 a.m. Uh, I'll go to work around like 9.30. We have to be like in the writer's room usually around 10, like pitching things and uh, sort of sending people off to, to write outlines and things like that. 
we usually work if it's if it's an easier day we'll work until like five or six if it's a shooting day sometimes we'll work until nine because they're there we'll have to go down to stage and uh you wow. know be like watching them shoot stuff and things like that and pitching jokes on the fly uh if i'm not staffed then a lot of times i'm doing like freelance internet stuff and i'll sometimes that could be like a job for a couple hours a day sometimes i'll work from home in which case i'm usually doing like three jobs at once uh wow just for the hell of it because i'm like i can't i'm at home no one knows what i'm doing with my time that's amazing <laughs> wow uh yeah one so time, you'll write for like three web shows at the same time yeah so the the craziest week that i ever had was like i was working i was writing on regular show which is a cartoon network show and i was at the cartoon network offices and uh i had just recently left a writing job at yahoo and they had asked me to come back for a week so i would go work at regular show from 10 to like 5 or 5 30 which is in burbank and then i would drive to playa vista to get there around like 6 30 where i would work until around 1 a.m or 2 a.m and then i would go home sleep and then wake up and then i also got a third job that week uh, writing for person. yeah uh writing for it's a thing called rooster teeth es uh, which is an online thing, and they basically said, like, hey, can you... Isn't that the gaming thing? Yeah, yeah. So so I do a lot of, like, nerd nerd writing. There aren't, <laughs> there aren't like, a ton of women that write nerd stuff. The, the ones that do are awesome. Uh, That's a great, like, niche market. Yeah, From, like, a business exactly. point of view, it's, like, super smart it, to get into there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that week I was working those three jobs. So on my lunch hour I would write for, like, write up the rooster teeth, like, jokes and the script and do research for them. And then, like, slow times at Cartoon Network or Yahoo, I would also be working on it. So I, I worked three jobs that week. So you found a way <laughs> to really, like, become, like, basically make a lot of money. Work in myself into an early grave. Work yourself to an early grave. <laughs> that, that's, so, that's amazing. I think that's super inspirational. Do you Thank have any you. kind of, like, um, specific, like, morning routine? Ooh, uh, not really. I'm not, like, a coffee person. Uh, there's, there's a joke at work. Cause I, I just like have a lot of energy. So there's like a joke at work where it's like, you do not want me also drinking coffee. You don't want me being me and also uh, caffeinated. So I'll usually like, I'll go, if I go into work, I'll have like a cup of tea and then like make myself some breakfast. Uh, I'm a tea person guys. But yeah, other than that, not really. I mean, I, I often wake up and I'm like, what if I miss some emails? So a lot of the times I'll just immediately check my email, which I know is not healthy. <laughs> wow. So you immediately check all of the yeah, static I, stuff. I, yeah. First. I have fear of like I not responding that. to someone quickly enough. So like someone will send me an email and if I don't read it for the next day, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It took me several hours to get back to you. I'm a terrible person. I have a lot of guilt about not responding. Yeah, to I get, I get really anxious and feel like I need to check my messages, but I really mm -hmm. feel like if I just didn't, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't. And I kind of wish like the, <laughs> the people I'm checking on their messages would also in kind do the same thing instead yeah. of responding two weeks later, like they see like delivered. Yes. Yes. I, I, because I am used to responding so quickly, I assume that if someone doesn't, they must hate me. Yeah. They have a person, <laughs> they personally don't like my traits. Yeah, and, exactly. Like, exactly. It's a personal front on my character. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually completely feel the same way. <laughs> Um, how did, okay, so how did you first get into comedy? How did you know you wanted to like do writing? Like, how did it all start? Uh, well, I actually, I actually moved out here after college to act. Uh, I always wanted to act since I was really little. And then in college, uh, 
I, I went to Rutgers for two years and I was a double major in communications and theater. But then I transferred to Penn State and, uh, and party. Yeah, and party school <laughs> uh, and watch football games. Um, yeah, I, so I, I just then I just minored in theater and majored in media studies and television and film. And so I moved out here to act and sort of quickly realized like, oh, this isn't after agents and casting directors and stuff were like, yeah, okay, so you're like not not like hot enough to be like the hot girl, but you're not like weird looking enough to be like the quirky best friend. So you're like the girl that maybe is like friends with the guys <laughs> at the bar. And they were like very clearly trying to figure out where I belonged. Uh, and so I was like, oh, maybe this isn't like the best industry to just be sort of an average looking Italian girl. Uh, and so I started, I always really liked comedy. And then a friend in 2007 was like, you should take UCB classes. And so I took an improv level one in 2007 at UCB and I loved it. And so I just quickly went through the entire improv curriculum that they have here. There, there were at the time there were five levels. I think I retook one of the levels. And then when I was done with that, I was like, oh, maybe I had started interning. So I had intern credits and I was like, maybe I should try this sketch class. Uh, that's because they also had a sketch program. And I did that and I was like, ooh, am I much better at this than I am at acting? And uh, it, it was, there weren't too many women who were writing uh, and, and getting jobs at the time. And so I went through the sketch program and then sort of got like a very temporary one-off job where they paid me $125 to like come in and pitch ideas for online videos. And I was like, whoa, people, people pay you just to sit around and like pitch ideas? Like that's crazy. Uh, and then wow. that was when I was like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I should just focus all my energies on this. So the rest is history. Well, that's so, <laughs> that's so cool. That's it. How did you go... So how was that first experience? That that was your first paid gig? The one yeah, yeah. Gig? It was, I don't remember when it was, but I was working on it with one of my good friends, Haley Mancini, who is now one of my writing partners. Uh, and she had worked, she was, she had been a writer for National Lampoon magazine. So she was sort of showing me the ropes and it was just really fun to be working with someone who I was friends with and uh, knew in the community. And I met a lot of like very cool people who, I'm still friends with most of them now. Uh, and yeah, it was just very fun. Like the, the company ended up being a little bit shady and I don't think ended up making any of the ideas, but uh, you know, such as, such as internet work. But at the time I was like, oh, this is great. Like we, we just sit around in a room and pitch a bunch of stupid ideas for stupid sketches with other people who are all really funny. It's so fun. And yeah, and it was great. And I was just like, wow, this is, you know, this is, this is, I could do this for a living and it would be a pretty dope life. Wow. I, I want to do that. That sounds so great. Um, so how did you transition? So after that first gig, mm -hmm. how did you start getting more gig like what yeah, was your regular writing uh, progression yeah yeah so uh i had that first gig and then uh the 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 nature of writing and just starting out in writing is like you might get a job that lasts three days and then not work for three months uh so i had a bunch of other side jobs i did transcription for reality shows and uh it, i i very very br briefly drove for lyft and uber and sort of all the things that people do when they're not sure how their next paycheck is going to be coming to them so slowly just from being in the comedy community i would meet people who would be like oh if i ever have a writing job uh you know i'll, I'll hit you up 
And I wrote for something called the CBS Diversity Showcase mm-hmm. in 2013. And I, I had gotten on a, on a mod team at UCB, which is their house sketch team, which is like is pretty hard to get onto. And uh, we had a, pretty, uh, a really strong team that lasted for a little over two years. So in those two years, I just wrote a crap ton of sketches for my team. And uh, of course, like owned them all because UCB is like very upfront about like, whatever you write here, you own. Uh, and then you can sell. So I just had a back catalog at this point of dozens and dozens of sketches and hundreds of pitches that I had never written. And uh, so every once in a while, I would get like a small internet job and they would come in and be like, oh, do you have any pitches? And I would always have like way, way too many pitches. So I sort of like built this rep as like, oh, this is someone we can bring in regularly who will always have pitches and always sort of do the job and get the job done or always have like a sketch in her back pocket. And uh, I got, while I was writing for the diversity showcase, I got hired on a show, writing on a show for Hulu called The Morning After. And it was being hosted by my friend Haley, who I had worked with on that first writing job. And she referred me for it and was very much like, I wanna work with my friends. I know you're a good writer. We had sketch level two at UCB together. Uh, and I met with them over there and I, I watched way too much television and they were impressed. It was sort of like, it was a recap show very much like in the, in the vein of the soup. And they were like, Oh, do you watch this show? Yes, yes, yes. And then they asked me the same question, which is when, when do you sleep? How do you have time to watch all this TV? And so they gave me the job, uh, and it lasted a few months and it was great. And I was doing that simultaneously with writing for the diversity showcase and being on my mod team. And then very abruptly, all three of those things ended. Uh, uh, the diversity showcase ended. Uh, I ended up getting a sketch in uh, into the show, which was great. Uh, my mod team got cut. Damn. And like the same week I got fired from this first writing, this first big writing job that I had because their budget got slashed and they were sort of like being canceled. And I was the m- most recent writer that they had brought in. So I was the, the first one to be cut. And I was like, oh no, is this it? Is this, is this what's my life become? Uh, and I had like a couple of days of sort of moping. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna do something else. And then I joined an IO sketch team. A couple of sketch teams hit me up and they were like, hey, we're always in need of good female writers. Do you wanna join our sketch team? So I joined another sketch team. And then uh, break.com hit me up because I, I had, been an extra in something one of the guys was like shooting there and became friends with him and he knew that I had written on the diversity showcase so he hired me to write there for a little while and I just I kept getting a lot of little internet jobs some would last a day some would last like three days some would last a month and just like really working my ass off when I got them so that they would keep calling me back in. And then eventually I sort of had a nice little rotation going of companies that had all hired me before that would bring me in here and there. Uh, And then at some point I got hired on this ABC digital show by the same guy who did the break stuff. It was a sketch comedy specifically aimed at women. So it was like perfect. And then from there, the first like time that I was able to quit all of my other jobs was when I uh, when when I got hired at I, so I had been a writer at Yahoo, which was sort of what I wanted to do because it was writing and producing, but it wasn't super creative. And then I submitted a packet to Cartoon Network. They were doing a reboot of the Powerpuff Girls, 
And again, my friend Haley, I really, I've got to send Haley a fruit basket. <laughs> uh, my friend Haley passed my writing packet along to them and they let me write an episode of the Powerpuff Girls. And that was dope. It was really awesome. The, the reboot is awesome. It was, it was super fun, but they didn't have a regular writing slot for me. So I was like, oh, okay, that was, that was a fun thing that I'll never get to do again. And then maybe two or three months later, I got hit up by the, the guys in charge of regular show. And they said, hey, we had your packet on file from when you wrote for Powerpuff Girls. We love your writing packet. We want to come in and meet with you. We want you to come in and meet with us. Uh, so I went in and met with them. They were all like nerdy dudes, which was perfect. Uh, and I think like, I think I got the job because they were like, tell us about yourself. And I was like, well, I play chess and I watch a lot of Doctor Who. And they were like, what? You're hired. Uh, so <laughs> I got to write on the eighth season of regular show with like an awesome crew of people. And that was when I was like, all right, I'm, I'm always paranoid about like where my next job is going to come from. But that was when I was like, all right, I can stop doing transcription. I can stop doing this. I can stop doing these little things that I had kept as safety nets. Uh, and and yeah, then I then since then I haven't ha fingers crossed I haven't had to go back to any other like side jobs since then. So yeah. wow, that's amazing. <laughs> what would out of I know you said a lot of things. So <laughs> I talked a lot. <laughs> no, that was great. Um, what would you say maybe um, if you were to boil it down? What like key things can you attribute your like employability and like kind of success to? Yeah, I think like I think. For me, it's really like just a couple of things, which is like the faster you can get into some sort of community. Uh, for me, it was the comedy community. For other people, it might be different things. But um, like I sort of got myself into this comedy. I was regularly going to UCB shows. So slowly people around the theater got to know me and I would do any show that I was invited to do uh, and just like made sort of like-minded friends from that. Um and then, yeah, just like being like not an asshole. I mean, like yeah. a lot of a lot of people in in Hollywood, I feel like we all we all we all know the stories, especially lately about like what assholes people are. And maybe you can do that when you're like a super high level person that no one can touch. But you can't do it like when you're just starting out. Like you can't you can't. And I mean, here's the thing. You should never be an asshole to people. Yeah. But like especially when you're starting out. You know, I think I was just like really friendly and I, I wasn't difficult. Hopefully, hopefully no one tells you a different story. Like I wasn't difficult to work with and I like didn't have an ego. So people would give me notes and I'd be like, yeah, great. These are great notes. Uh, and I think just the combination of like being around and being available and being friendly and also like being willing to just like help people out when they needed it. I would PA on stuff. Uh, you know, I would be an extra and like for un like unpaid gigs, if people were just like, Hey, we need someone to help us like hold a boom mic at the shot. I'd be like, I'm, I'm on it. Uh, so for years I was just like, anytime people needed help with stuff, I would help out. And then when those people finally started to like sort of do things where they were in the position to be like, Oh, we can hire someone. Well, Gina's done a bunch of free work for us. They sort of like paid it back. And now uh, hopefully I can like pay it forward a little bit and get people jobs. That's so cool. It's like you're, I mean, you, okay, wait, that can, I was thinking of something that kind of sounds shitty. It was like planting seeds of friendship, <laughs> but like, it's kind of like, it's good to like, it, it's weird. I don't like to think of like friends as like an investment, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting though, to think that the people you're friends with 
now, like if you choose the right friends and you choose like-minded people that you think have good traits that you like or admire, like mm -hmm. chances are those are the people that are going to rise up anyway and you just yeah. help each other out. So just like, like be wise when you're choosing your friends. Like to Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's good advice and also like pick people that you know you can work with because there have been people over the years where I'll, I'll write a pilot with them and like halfway through writing it, I'll be like, Ooh, this isn't, this is not a good match. And those are the people that, you know, I'll, I've never sort of like worked with again, but you know, two of my writing partners right now, I'm, I'm staffed as a team on bunked with one of my writing partners who I met on my mod team who I didn't know. And he was placed on the same team as me. And we were like, Oh, this is cool. We both liked each other's style and then just like became best friends. And then a year ago, we were both in a place where we weren't, we, we had some like time off between writing jobs. And I was like, should we write something together? We're, we're good friends. We've never written together. So we wrote five pilot episodes of five web series Whoa. Uh, and then wrote one out as a full pilot. And then just this last like staffing season, I was like, should we go out as a team? Cause we had both been staffed separately. Uh, and he was like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And this was bunked was the first thing that we uh, submitted for and the first thing we got uh and yeah he's just super chill he's super nice and we've we've helped each other get other jobs and now we're writing together and Haley is awesome she's gotten me a ton of jobs I've helped get her a lot of jobs anytime one of us is in a position where we get hired someplace new like the first thing we say is like if you need more writers I got a great person and Haley's an, also an awesome actor so I'm I you know like I was able to bring her in to audition for something for Bunked. And it's very much a, yeah, as long as you're hanging out with people you like and like to work with, you will want to get them jobs and yeah. help them work more. It's like a community <laughs> effort. Exactly. That's exactly. so cool. Um, yeah, totally. Just going back to what you said before about being not an asshole, like mm -hmm. it, it really <laughs> does seem like um, just like the most charismatic people typically. And you don't even need to be like extroverted necessarily, mm -hmm. but typically people that are charismatic are just, or yeah yeah it'll, it'll get, go a long way like it's yeah. important to be sociable and it's so, so easy like especially in the comedy scene like mm -hmm. there's definitely some people that just aren't very sociable where yeah i mean it just like doesn't benefit you it's not it's hard because i know because my writing partner is introverted and and uh uh i think it's it's more important to just be be nice and sort of like if you get hired for something prove that like you're going to show up on time and you're going to, you know, like not be flaky and this and that. And in Los Angeles, there are a lot of those people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that there, there are unfortunately a lot of assholes and I am at the position now where I'm able to refer people for a lot of jobs. Either I get offered a job that I can't take or, I'll be on a job and they'll say we need three more writers and I've sort of mentally noted over the years like the people who are like really nice and fun and uh cool to work with and have been able to get some of them jobs and conversely not to sound uh evil but you know those people who were jerks uh, along the way I'm like oh cool this is a person I will never Blacklist refer for a job forever. yeah because no one wants to work with them yeah um that's that's cool. I noticed that. Um, so you also mentioned that you had a backlog of sketches. So I feel like mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. really valuable because oftentimes when people are asked to do things, they'll write it that week yeah. right away or won't have anything. Or mm -hmm. so like you found that pretty valuable. Then. Yeah, I was able to. I've been able 
fortunate enough to like sell a few of my sketches because every once in a while someone will post and say like hey we're looking for pitches for this kind of sketch or pitches for that kind of sketch and uh there's there's a youtube star named anna akana who put out the word that she was looking for sort of like feminist sketches or sketches that made a statement and i had you know 20 ready to go so i basically just hit her up and i was like hey here are three let me know if you want me to send you more and i think i sent her a total of like eight she bought two of them and and shot them and everything and yeah it's just the more stuff that you have everyone always asks me like what do i need for a writing packet what do i need to have ready to meet with like a manager what do i have and honestly my answer is like everything like the more stuff that you have the more pitches that you can write down the more samples you have the more sketches you have written out just the easier it'll be and the less stressed you'll be when it comes time to actually like take all those meetings and they'll they'll notice that you're prepared as opposed to oh that person just threw this together on the car ride here yeah <laughs> so you also when we were speaking about comedy jobs you started the la comedy jobs page mm -hmm. yeah yeah Tell us about that. Uh, what is it like? Yeah. So a few years ago, when I was lucky enough to start sort of getting more writing jobs, I would have friends that would be hitting me up and saying, hey, if you hear of a writing job, hit me up. Hey, if you hear of a PA job, hit me up. If you hear of this. And also just other comedy people that were like, I need sort of those more flexible jobs. You know, if you know of anything I heard you used to transcribe. So basically everyone's looking for work. And at some point I figured, you know, instead of answering all of these emails and requests on a case by case basis and saying like, oh, okay, if I hear of this, I'll let you know. I just started a group that started out just with all the people that I know in the comedy community and said, hey, if someone needs a PA on a shoot and you're willing to pay 50 bucks for someone to come, like post it in here and someone will respond. And that has now ballooned up to, I think, like 12,000 members. Uh, and there are some legit, it ranges from, you know, like what it started out as, which is someone saying, hey, I'm looking for a PA for the day. I'll pay 50 bucks to people saying I'm leaving my job, my $80,000 a year job at, as this like marketing director. Send me your resumes if you want to get in there. Uh, and it's pretty cool because I've met a lot of people who've gotten a lot of work from it, who either have gotten like their regular jobs or uh, I had some guy like recently, like maybe two weeks ago, come up to me and was like, hey, you don't know me, but you're the reason that I've, I've been able to stay in LA, which was like very cool. Cause he was wow. like, I was like at the point of sort of debating moving back home and I didn't have any work. And I like, I, someone added me to your group. And since then I've gotten like three, three jobs that sort of let me pay my rent. And I was like, that is super dope. So it was one of those like pay it forward thing that people helped me on the way up. And I was like, this is, this is a way that I can like help as many people as possible get jobs when they need them. And now you have a new for fun page. Things oh for yeah. Fun. <laughs> Things to do for fun. Yeah. Yeah. But they it's, can't it's be comedy shows. LA fun. Yeah. No yeah. Fun comedy shows. Uh, again, I, since I plan a lot of events and since, since I'm very social, a lot of friends would be like, hey, what's like a, you know, what's a good thing to do? I'm looking for something do to do people, on Saturday. What do people do? What do you... <laughs> yeah, like I'm looking, what <laughs> what should I do on Saturday? Or people or friends would hit me up and say like, oh, I have a first date. What should I do? And I, and I just because I love to do stuff would be like, oh, there's an art show this Saturday night. It's, it should be like really cool. There's a this, there's a that. Uh, and so I was like, all right, time to start another Facebook group. So it's just called That's LA valuable. Fun. 
And I knew that it would, since it's all comedians in there, it would quickly devolve into come to my improv show. So yeah. I was just like, all right, the only rule is it, it you can't post about your comedy shows. It yeah. has to be like legit things. And, you know, again, uh, a lot of people have told me that they've gotten a lot of first good first date ideas really? on that. Really? Yeah, That's really cool. So. It, it is surprising <laughs> how often it'll be like a free day, like a Saturday or Sunday. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what what do people do? Like. It's yeah. almost like an unacceptable amount that I don't know what people do for and leisure. And there's so like, much to I do really, in LA. There's so what do much stuff humans to do. do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it's. There's just like so much cool ass stuff to do in LA, and and I don't know what any of them are. <laughs> I'm just like, I just like the idea. Like we're in LA. There's so much stuff to do. Yeah. Like, what what do I do? It's overwhelming. What, I have sometimes. no clue what to do. Yeah. Like, do I wander around the Sunset <laughs> Strip? Like, literally, help. What do I do? I need. Yeah, that's come to my uh, come to my LA fun page, and then you'll see all the places that Labyrinth is playing this weekend. Ooh. <laughs> so yeah, I noticed. So a big thing that you like to do is you you build communities and you bring people together. Um, have you always been doing that? Like. Do you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely, when I was in high school, I was definitely doing this kind of stuff. I was the editor of my high school newspaper and, uh, I was in theater and I was also in chess club. Uh, and yeah, I just liked being part of a group and having things to do and and having sort of like-minded people. And then again, like helping people out and doing any type of like public service stuff that I I can do. And I think in LA, when I moved out here, I moved out in a U-Haul by myself. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a cell phone. Uh, And I had three days to find an apartment, buy a car and unpack my U-Haul and return the U-Haul. And I didn't know anyone out here. (laughs) So much to do. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, I, I didn't know a single person. And I just, you know, I, I, coach a lot of comedy i've coached a lot of teams and i direct a lot of shows and i've talked to anytime i coach i like to do like a uh, you know every couple of months do like a check-in individually with each person on my team of like how are things going are you having any problems and from doing that a lot of people i mean la is like a scary ass place man for for people especially people who are like 22 and just moving out here or something don't have a job, don't know what to do. And I was just like, how can I sort of make this maybe easier for people, whether that's like providing jobs or like a Facebook group that people can talk about whatever's like bothering them or telling them where they can see Labyrinth this weekend. That's sweet. (laughs) Wow. So you, you're, that's the most Italian thing ever to just start all these communities. Oh yeah. You like didn't know anyone and now you have like this 12,000 person like militia to yeah. f- fight for you. <laughs> these comedians. Yes, fight for like me. Like the most ineffective my, my militia ever. Like, <laughs> like open mic militia. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, they're not good at hand-to-hand combat, but they will have they will a great quip. zinger. They will quip. Oh, that's so cool. I feel like it's interesting because like the things you're saying it reminds me of like both me and Marlena, my girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, she, like, does all the, like, helpline stuff and, like, yeah. doing the therapist route and, like, I do the comedy stuff. And, yeah, like, yeah. It's interesting. It's, like, because those groups are, like, therapeutic for people, for sure. Yeah, and, I mean, it's, you know, there's, again, this is L.A. and there's, like, a lot of a lot of flaky people or a lot of well-meaning people who sort of just, like, don't have the follow-through. And I think that for, for more – for every like type A person there is, it's like, I'm going to organize 10 things. Like that's how the community sort of survives is that's how any community survives. And my mom is very much like that person 
in I'm from New Jersey, like a very, very small town in New Jersey. And my mom would always be like, oh, uh, you know, Mrs. So-and-so down the block just had a surgery. So I'm going to make a casserole and then I'm organizing casseroles oh for the week God. from like all the other people. She's like, I'm making baked ziti because my mom's Italian the and doesn't ziti. make casseroles. So she makes no, baked ziti. Course, the baked ziti. Uh, and would just always know like, oh, someone had a death in their family. So I'm going to bring over a baked ziti and then I'm going to clean their house and do this. So my mom is also very much like that. So that's clearly where I get it from. So. Everyone who's been helped out by me, send my mom a thank you card. Yeah, that's so true. Like, I know, I feel like all of the little Italian, every little Italian town has, like, those yeah. women that help out. And, mm-hmm, like, they're just mm-hmm. so, like, sweet and help, <laughs> fam- familial and helping each other. Yeah. Um, that's the culture. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so what, so we touched up on, like, you know, just people coming out to L.A. and kind of being intimidated by everything, which is so true. Mm-hmm. Um for me, like I, I see LA and I'm like, it's so happy. It's so cool. And there's mm-hmm. trees, palm trees <laughs> and sunny, but there is that like dark side of like uncertainty and like, how do I make mm-hmm. it? And like a lot of people, especially like coming out of college are used to having their friends around them all the time. And they're, they're yearn for that sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like you've found it and built it. So what, what kind of advice would you give someone maybe fresh out of college um, trying to find that sense of community and, yeah, I mean, I think like the the main thing is like don't expect it to happen overnight. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people who are like, I've been out here for seven months and I'm still not like where I want to be. And it's not it's not a thing that happens in, in seven months. It's a thing that happens over many years. And L.A. has a really fast turnover rate. A lot of people move out here and within a year move back. I forget what the statistic is, but it's a large percentage of people who move out here move away within a year. And it's easy to sort of go someplace and say like, oh crap, this is overwhelming. This isn't for me, but like actually give it a shot. Like don't, don't make your mind up until you've actually done everything you can to see if this is the right job for you and the right place for you and the right community for you. Uh, and you know, there's always, no matter like what you're into, no matter how like weird or alternative it is, there's, there's going to be a community in Los Angeles that, has people that all have that same interest if it's not you know comedy it's it's books or uh theater whatever it is um you know like uh larping or i'm just naming nerdy things now because that's all i know uh what is larping live action role playing oh Uh, it's like it's like a lot of a lot of yeah and a lot of people like dressing up to play quidditch and things like that (laughs) uh but yeah i mean there's there's always there's there's always a community you just have to seek it out so don't expect other people to do the work for you just really like in invest your time and your energy into the thing that you want to be doing and then give it a fair shot uh you know comedy and entertainment is one of those things that anytime you tell someone you do that they're like i want to do that like let me let me do that and it's like the one job like there's not like doctors being like i'm a doctor and then someone being like hey can you give me a job as a doctor uh and for some reason that's like what comedy people do uh and it's it's look at it like any other career look at it like any other sort of life that you're building if you went to law school you wouldn't be like i'm trying for six months and i'm not a lawyer like you got to go to law school you got to like put the time in 
So yeah, just be, just give yourself more than that like first few months of a knee jerk sort of reaction of being uncomfortable. And also like, it's good to be uncomfortable sometimes because yeah, then you'll, you grow. yeah. And you'll look back on it and be like, remember that time that I was like super scared about being in LA and now it's five years later and I'm running nine Facebook groups. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, you, you mentioned briefly, uh, just the idea of like, you wouldn't ask a doctor, hey, help me be a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so with comedy, it's interesting because I feel like there's that fine line of like hitting people up and you, you kind of have to like network and reach out to mm -hmm. people and like, but you also don't want to be annoying and you also want to be like, like there's two very, I mean, I don't know. From my observation, it seems like some people will be like, you have to be passive and like just make the best content you can, like head down, like work mm -hmm. really hard which I, I agree to an extent, but um, I also see people that kind of like, they're a little bit more assertive and that mm -hmm. also have that talent, but reach out to people more. Um, I, mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Man, I have a lot of strong opinions on this. Uh, so I am, I am the worst at like asking anyone else for anything. So I never did that. Like even now, even with my best friend, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Can I ask you for your advice I'm on this like writing thing? And they're, and they're always like, stop apologizing. It's very much like a, a woman thing to apologize a lot before you ask something. But I think that there's, there's a balance. I think the best thing you can do is work hard, make yourself available, be friendly, and sort of prove that you're someone that people want to hire. I think first and foremost, that's the thing that you have to do. And then beyond that, I think know, know who you're asking for things. Uh, uh, there's, there's a class at UCB that Sean Conroy taught, and he's like a great comedian, and it was a – a screenwriting class and the very first thing he's a very big dude very surly very like big beard so i'm not sure too many people were like hitting him up for things anyway because he doesn't look like the friendliest individual but the first thing he tells everyone is like hey just because you're in my class like doesn't mean you can hit me up for a job i have friends that i came up with in comedy that i get jobs for because that's who i get jobs for but the people in this class now will at some point be in a position to get you a job. So make friends sort of like with them and then come up with them in the community. And that's not to say like you can't reach out to someone who is, is regularly working and things like that. Just know that they're probably getting hit up a lot. So, um, like be respectful of their time. And if they, if they do something for you, make sure you thank them. I have random, the most random people that I have never met that saw my name at the end of regular show credits that ask me for jobs, that find me on Facebook. I have no mutual friends with them. Uh, and I, it, it, it weirds me out every time that strangers in like Kansas are like, I'm about to graduate from college. Can you get me a job? Should I move out to Los Angeles? Uh, and it's very weird. So like, make sure you sort of know, at least know the people that you're hitting up. And there's nothing wrong with hitting someone up and saying like, Hey, I noticed that you do this, this specific thing and I'm interested in it. I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Would it be possible for me to like buy you a coffee and, and ask your advice about that? And if they say no, they say no, just know that they're very busy. I think it's, it's sort of, it's go within like your own friend circle first and then branch out. Like, don't immediately go to, you know, like Matt Besser, who owns UCB, and say, like, 
hey man, can you get me some jobs? Like I've taken a couple classes here. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And I think like, it's one of those things that if they, if they do help you out, you know, again, like if, if someone gets you a job or if they refer you for something or if they put in a good word for you, make sure you sort of earn that referral. Make sure that if, you know, I've, I've gotten friends or like people who've taken my sketch classes, I've referred them for things. And 99% of the time they're on time and they're doing great work. And then the people I refer them to are like, oh my God, you referred this person. They were so great. We would hire them again. Thank you. And then there's like 1% of the time where they're like, hey, where is this person? They're an hour late. We hired them to do this job. And I have to then apologize profusely that I referred someone who didn't really live up to it. So yeah, I think like you definitely network, not in a gross way, uh, not in in like a, hey, can I use you for something way. Exactly. But also like just legitimately become friends with people and they'll want to help you out is my experience. Yeah, I agree. So that that was interesting what you said. Like it'd be better to ask someone to just to chat over coffee versus like get me a job. Like, yeah, because like one is clearly like, oh, I want to use you. (laughs) Yeah. And the other one's like, oh, I want to invest in like a friendship with you. Like not invest, but like I... I'm, I like your work and I want to learn mm-hmm. more about you as you as a person and I'm not just trying to like use you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like every, everyone, if I could get every person a job that hit me up for a job, I, I totally would. Uh, they're few and far between. So, and, and again, usually they're going to go to my closest friends who, you know, are in need of a job. But I think it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah as long as you're as long as you're nice as long as you're not an asshole as long as you're respectful of their time if they can help you out and give you advice and and then maybe pass along your resume at some point they people people will people this might be me being a, an optimist but like people want to help out other people uh they don't want to be like no fuck you i'm never getting you a job yeah. uh smoke bomb i'm out of here uh <laughs> they they want to help out other people and you just sort of have to show like i i should be one of those people that you want to help out because i i am i will do a good job and make you look good in the end <laughs> yeah so what i'm hearing from you is it sounds like um you you being someone that's asked a lot about like hey help me get a job and stuff like mm-hmm. that you want to be able to vouch for them because it, it says something about you when you're referring that person. They reflect you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like to I like to only refer people that I have either taught or coached or work with or know pretty well or like are vouched for by someone that I trust. Uh, and I started a blog like a couple of years ago because I was getting hit up a lot for just like advice and people telling me like can I take you to coffee and pick your brain so I started a a blog of just advice for people uh getting into like the industry about like how I got my first writing job here's like how here's different ways to go about getting your first writing job here's how I got staffed I had a friend write like a guest column for the blog that was like here's how you format a resume because a lot of people don't know how to format entertainment wow. resumes. That's the exact purpose of this podcast. Yeah. I, That's yeah. so cool. I, I, what, I what's it called? What's the blog you, called? Uh, it's it's just my own personal blog. blog so it's ginaippy at tumblr.com. I think that's how that works. Uh, but it's called Watching Cartoons in Your Underwear. Uh, and, and, and it's just a lot of advice. My friend is an actor, and she was like, can I write a guest blog about how to get an acting agent? Uh, so... 
there's a ton of stuff on there. There's also like how to formulate, how to format a writing packet if you get asked for like a writing packet. So that is like one of those things that because I was getting hit up so much, my friend was like, you should just write it all down in a blog. And that way when you can't, because I have terrible guilt when I can't meet with people if I'm too busy, but also I would be going for nine coffees a day if I said yes to all of wow, these. That's an amazing resource. Gina <laughs> Ippy at uh-huh. Tumblr. I can send you the link. I'll I'll link it. I'm going to link that for sure. That's so cool. Wow. You you do good in the world. (laughs) Um, Send thank you notes to my mom. Yes. Wait. So I'm I'm spacing out. What was the question I just asked? I can cut this. Uh, uh, What? uh, Like, oh, yeah. Like, is it better to sort of like reach out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So I I feel like I, um, I definitely... Like, we'll cold. I won't be weird and be like, <laughs> hey, help me get a job. Yeah. But I definitely, like, will reach out and try to, like, meet with someone. And because I'm, yeah. I'm super curious. Like, that's how I met with Dan Peralt from American Vandal. I hit him up on just Facebook. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, because I, I do comedy stuff, we, I tend to have mutual, some mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll just, like, like a show. I, I mean, I, I've done it, like, once, maybe with mm-hmm. um, Man Seeking Woman because I really like that show just reach out to people because mm-hmm. I, I just like want to meet people like and like get to know them because I think it's like cool and I like what they do. Yeah. Um, I don't like want to ask someone for jobs and stuff because <laughs> I think that's kind of weird. But um, like for my, for me, because I started the comedy club at UCLA mm-hmm. um, and when we had our first show, we had to hit people up to do comedy and yeah. I, I didn't know anyone. So I reached out to Melissa Villasenor. I just messaged her on Facebook. Nice. nice. Um, someone said she's really funny. I don't know. I didn't know her though, but I'm like, Hey, do you want to do the show? Mm-hmm. And she she's like, yeah, sure. I'm down. That's and awesome. then, um, I knew Quinta from the improv space. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. she was down and I don't know. A, a lot of my experience has been like just reaching out to people and yeah. emote, like probably 75% of the time they will not read it. And I don't know, maybe <laughs> they're like, this kid's weird, but like usually when they respond, they're like very kind and like nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not. I don't want to give so like people like, this the impression person is a that like. No, like, I don't want to give Austin's people the impression that like you shouldn't do that because it definitely like works. And like I said, as long as you're nice about it, that's the thing. Is like, I think uh, as long as you're not like entitled about it, because I think that's the thing that it is. Is sometimes when people hit me up, they'll just be like, "Yo, I'm looking for work, so get me a job." And there's no like, please. There's no nothing. There's no like, oh, hey, I'm sure you get asked this a lot. So I think it's it's as long as you're nice about it again like I know I keep saying like be nice and it's like the most sort of like 50-year-old mom advice ever but as long as you're nice about it I think e- even if people don't respond they they're not reading it and being like what an asshole but I've definitely gotten some messages where I'm like whoa what an asshole you know like that yeah, are very it's entitled. It's easy to think like if you reach out to someone and they don't respond that I mean if you're being nice like they don't think that but my first reaction is Oh, they didn't respond. <laughs> I'm sad. But like, yeah, but I, I totally agree. I, I think what you're saying makes sense. Like get, get to know people and mm-hmm. kind of like buy them coffee. Be nice. Yeah. yeah. Don't be weird. <laughs> um, so for like just, well, I asked a lot of these things. Um, okay. So maybe transitioning more into actual like technicals of, your comedy skills. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? How would you describe your writing process? What is that like? Oh, I'm I'm very much like a uh, poop it out as fast as possible and then go back to it later type of person uh, because I I find that it's 
easy to agonize over every detail when you're when you're I like to sort of like very briefly outline things if I'm writing sketches I'll I'll you know write like oh what's the what's the premise of this what's the funny thing if I had to like pick a rough couple of beats like where is this going how does this get funnier as it goes on uh and same with like with full length scripts you have to start with an outline uh but start with like the roughest outline you can uh, because I think I've met a lot of people over the years who will be like, oh, I've been writing the same pilot for two years. Uh, and it's just, it's it's easy to get in your head and get caught up and think, ah, this, this one thing isn't perfect. And if that's not perfect, why am I doing this? But my process is just get it all down on paper and 50% of the work is already done. You can go back through and fill in jokes later and everything. And then when you actually sit down to write the script, it's it's almost done. It's just, all right, well, I have to I have to just give it structure. Um, that doesn't work for everyone. And one of the reasons that my writing partner and I get along so well is because I'm very much a poop it out as fast as possible. And he's very much a methodical, let's think this through. Um, so I am able to write it down very quickly and then he is over, able to go over it with a fine-tooth comb and say like okay well we need to switch this thing but for me especially if you're someone who wants it to be perfect and obsesses over it just get it out and then you'll be like "Ooh, okay all right great it's it's you know it's sort of like stretching before going because i have something to edit exactly like exactly being insanely like i need to structure this 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 this, this. exactly and i think once it's once it's on paper you're like, well, I got to finish it now versus like if you're just if it's just sort of in your head and you're like, this is going to be great when I write it down. Once it's once it's outlined, you're like, I mean, well, might as well do it. I got to finish it. You know, yeah. it's like doing all the prep work for a meal and then being like, I don't really want to eat anymore. I'm going to throw all this out. Like no one does that. You you prep a meal and then you're like, all right, now I've got to freaking make this meal, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of what happened with this podcast. I just I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do one, and then I have to post. And if I post it, then I can't just not make any more ever. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's it's one of those things that like you know you learn as you go. Uh, every time I get a writing job, I have another question for for someone who's higher up than me. Like I'm like, ooh, they asked me for this. What do I do? Uh, and I don't think it's. It's, it's probably not a thing that I'll ever have 100% of the answers. And I like getting jobs where I'm like, oh, this is interesting. I've never seen this before. Uh, so, yeah, I think, like, just just jump in. I know especially, like, there's some statistic about <clears throat> how women are not – women want to be, like, perfect at everything. Is this a personality? Go, go around. It's, it's one of those things that it's, like, they, they've been studying why – women why there aren't as many women in stem fields and uh the theory is that boys are so used to like getting hurt and being told like eh, it's fine like get get back up and do it again whereas girls think that they have to be perfect and a lot of women won't even apply to jobs that's so true yeah i have i have friends that won't (laughs) apply to jobs because they they'll read the thing and they'll be like i don't have that yeah one one thing and then my i'll have friends or even me, I'll just see, see like a job thing, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you need four years, of ex- and I'll be like, I don't have any of these things, but I'll just like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things that like, especially especially if you're a woman, don't like second guess it. Just apply, and if you get the job, that means you deserve the job, and then you will learn as you go. You don't. No one is ever going to know everything about everything. So, 
I think it's one of those things that, yeah, if you, if you want to write a script, just like freaking start writing it yeah. and don't worry about like, well, is this formatted properly? Is this, this, is this, this and that? Cause that's all stuff that will come later. Like you'll, at some point you can take a class that's like screen, screenwriting and then you'll be like, oh crap, this is how I format that outline that I wrote earlier. But yeah, like learn as you go and, and like always be sort of, you know, seeking out that, this is going to sound so stupid, but like seeking out that knowledge, like make yourself better, but st always start out by just pooping stuff out. That's what yeah. I think. That's my philosophy. So... <laughs> Um, how, how long do you think it would usually take you maybe to write like a short sketch? Uh, I mean, I can write a short sketch at this point in 10 minutes. Really? Uh, like an entire sketch? Yeah. Yeah. I can write an entire sketch in 10 minutes. Uh, just how many, like three pages or something like that. Yeah. Three to three to four pages. That's uh, so fast. if someone I'm like, so slow. if someone gave me an idea and was like, what about this? Which a lot of people, a lot of times people will say like, Hey, I have this idea. What about this? And just from teaching sketch, you know, you have to be able to be like, okay, great. Here's like a five minute summary of what this sketch would be. And now we've got to move on to the next person. So I can write them really fast. I think, you know, if you're, if you can write a sketch in three hours, I think you should be proud of that. How long do you think if you're given like a premise, you can come up with like a. I should be tested out. Do you have a premise? Nah, I was kind of thinking about like, <laughs> you, I, I wonder what this process is like. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I also hate when people are like, Oh, you're a comedian. Tell a joke, and I'm like doing the work. I'm like, oh, you're a writer. Write a screenplay right now. Yeah, on my I podcast. mean, I'll do it if you got a premise for me. I'll write it. But I feel I'll, like I'll, you'd be comfortable. I'll tell I mean, you I'll how write. I'd write that sketch in ten minutes. Really? Okay, but it might not be awesome. It also but... might just be a criticism of my <laughs> sketch ideas being heinous. <laughs> um, okay, wait. Let me see. A. Okay, wait. Okay. So I don't know if this is a premise. I, I had this idea for a sketch. So I don't really know where to take it. So it's just, you know, like when you go pump gas mm -hmm. for your car, like, and it asks you questions. Oh, like, very tri-state area thing. Oh, yeah. Like, are you saying pumping your own gas? Yeah. Oh. Wait, do people not pump oh, their no, own no, gas? Oh, no, no, Sorry. It's oh, very, oh, the, oh, when the yeah. people do it for you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. I, so I was thinking when sometimes I'll pump gas and they'll ask me questions. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just, like, escalate it where it's just, like, asking you more, like, you can't. Because it takes forever to pump your gas. Oh, okay. So it's just like, like asking more questions and like maybe yeah, it's like, do you want a car wash? Do you want like premium? oh yeah do yeah. You, yeah. Um, define this like SAT vocabulary word or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I that can... might be a terrible premise. No, no, but... I can write this sketch in ten minutes. So yeah, you have you you have a guy who show up to the gas station and he puts his his card in and you have to have the the pump speak out loud because obviously on stage you don't want him like reading stuff so the pump would say like okay so this is for a live sketch yeah so okay. so live sketch uh uh i mean you could also film it but yeah 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 it doesn't really uh and then the pump says like uh would you you know would you like a receipt what kind of gas do you want this and that uh, uh, would you like a car wash day no you heighten it by the guy is getting slightly more and more impatient and then eventually you get to a point where uh, the gas pump says, have you called your mother today? <laughs> uh, and then the guy's like, no, press no. And it's like, would you like to call your mother right now? No. <laughs> Uh, you know, like, uh, did you, re did you remember your girlfriend's birthday is next week? Oh my God, this is really <laughs> weird that this gas pump knows all about. And then you have someone else standing next to him at another pump and he turns to the woman and says like, is this weird or like, is this gas pump getting like oddly personal? And either she thinks it's normal. That's how you do like a, uh, and th that's what we call like an, 
the world is crazy. And yeah, like, like versus like a peas in a pod sketch where she said she turns to him and she says, "I've been here for four days." <laughs> uh, uh, and then yeah, and then it just keeps uh, you just keep heightening the personal questions that it's asking. Like, when was the last time you got a physical? Uh, uh, so you should funny. really get that mole on your neck checked out. <laughs> uh, and the guy just being like, I just really need gas. Uh, uh, and then at some point, like he probably calls the attendant over and says like, Hey man, like what's, what's the, what's the deal with this gas pump? And, uh, the, again, the gas station attendant either doesn't think it's weird at all or is like, I don't even work here. I've just, I just resigned myself to the fact that I'll never leave. I've been <laughs> answering questions for 30 years. <laughs> answering riddles. Like, yeah, exactly. It's so funny. Wow. You, you wrote a sketch on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I need that talent. How did you, so just like year, literally years of practice or did, were you always able to write? come up with sketches that fast and kind of do that no i i mean i thought i think at some point i thought i was and then i realized like oh i'm i'm not that good at it but yeah just i think like being on a team and having to pitch sketches every week to the team and bring in sketches every week uh and i'm very much i'm always a nervous about like feeling like i earned my spot uh so I would make sure that if everyone else was bringing in two sketches, I would bring in four sketches. Uh, and three of those sketches would probably be really bad. I think on my sketch team one week, I brought in seven sketches. Wow. And it was, they were, they were mad. <laughs> they were like, why did you write so many sketches? But again, like if five of them are does, I'm just constantly worried about not having enough uh, good stuff. So that and and also being in writers rooms where you sort of have to pitch stuff on the fly which is a skill that like not not every writer needs and not every writers room needs everyone to be able to immediately jump on someone's idea especially if you're a little bit more introverted and you need to sit with an idea there's nothing wrong with that but they do always need people in the room to be like hey this joke isn't working someone let's punch it everyone just spit out the first thing that's in your mind so that sort of environment it kind of made me get better at being able to be like, all right, here's here's how that could go. Here's another way that that could go. Here's another way that that could go. That's so cool. I'm honestly like, <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Like, I think I'm funny, but like, I don't. <laughs> that's like, I don't have that talent yet, and I want to do that. So you'll get inspired. there. You'll get there. Everyone can get there. So, um, do you have a? Do you think of like? I know you said you like you poop it out and then you do the structuring. Mm -hmm. Um, do you what what? <laughs> is your idea for a structure for a good sketch is do you have kind of an outline in mind yeah yeah i mean just when i when i teach i have this this thing that i just sort of made up myself that's based on different schools and their philosophies and just doing sketch for years that's uh uh you outline it get sort of like the title of the sketch which should be sort of indicative of what it's going to be about like it shouldn't be like some coy thing that's like a bad day it should be like a, a bird poops on charlie you know what i mean yeah. uh so that you know at some point in the sketch a bird is going to poop on charlie and that's just for yourself like that title i mean if people are watching a sketch most of the time they're not going to know the title of it but uh what you want to do is like in my opinion write out the game or the premise a lot of people don't like the word game because it's associated with one theater and people you know, everyone has their own issues about yeah, everyone theaters. has like their opinions and stuff. But uh, a sketch has to have a premise. Like I don't, I've, I've heard people refute that. 
I am of the mindset that you need a premise. You need to be able to pitch it in one sentence. How so, do you not have a premise? I'm just I didn't yeah, know I mean, like a lot of a lot of it is like slice the, of life. There are some there are some schools of thought that are like, oh, you can just write down like a rambling scene, and then it's all in the performance, or it's this. That's not, and I mean, not to be an asshole, but if someone's reading that and they're not seeing, like, if you want to be able to include it in a packet, it has to have a premise. Yeah. Like that's that's just. I feel like what it's it kind of an avant-garde point of view that probably won't even like. I don't know how how would you sell that. Yeah, I mean, and it might be funny on stage. Like there are school, there are theaters that teach you like, here's how you write a sketch for our stage. My thing is, if I'm teaching a class, I want you to be able to also maybe sell that sketch or also put it in a packet. So I'm gonna teach you how to write a premise sketch. <coughs> and <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and so a lot of the times it's just like it's just one it's one sentence is what a premise should be. So I wrote this uh, sketch that was called if robots couldn't do the robot and my, I came in and I pitched it to my team and all I said, I was looking through my notebook and I said, uh, a really sophisticated Android is on a spaceship and everyone gets pissed because she refuses to do the robot robot dance. Uh, and they were all like, Oh, that's, that's funny. Uh, so that was what it was. It was just, what if someone like, uh, the androids in alien who are all super sophisticated androids. What if the whole spaceship crew was like, come on, do the fucking robot for us. And they're like, that's not what I'm built for. And everyone gets pissed at them. So that was like the premise that I started out with. And then for me, the next thing you want to write is what's, what are you heightening? Cause just from years of teaching, the thing that I've seen the most that people have problems with is they'll have a, their, they'll have a strong premise, but they have no idea where it goes from there. So you have to know what's being heightened so that you know how to heighten it. So in in that case, it could be the anger that the crew is showing this android or the things that these and this android is doing to impress the crew that's not the robot dance. But you've got to be heightening something because it can't just be, do the robot for us. No. Do the robot for us. No. Because uh, no matter how funny your premise is, uh, that's, that's just not going to work. Um, and then from there, you want to write out like what's beat one, what's beat two, what's beat three. And then if you can write out what the button is, the, the most clear example, the one that I teach in my very like first class of this kind of thing is there's a key and peel sketch called dueling hats. And it starts out just with, and, and I can see exactly how this pitch process went. A lot of those guys are UCB guys and I know Jordan and, a lot. I know, know exactly. Jordan. He used to coach my old uh, improv team wow. back That's in the day. Uh, and, you know, I can tell exactly how this, this process went. And the, if you've never seen the sketch, it's, uh, I, I think it's, I think Keegan shows up with a, a really new, like awesome hat and uh, Jordan starts sweating. He notices the hat. And so then the, the next day, uh, Jordan shows up with like an even newer hat that's still in the bag. It still has the tags on it. Uh, and then uh, Keegan comes out of his apartment and he's got like a fucking display case on his head <laughs> with a hat in it. And he looks over and he sees Jordan and Jordan turns around and he's got a woman sewing the hat <laughs> in a sewing machine on top of his head. And that is a very clear, someone went in and pitched that sketch and said, what if they're just like, they keep getting super jealous of how like fresh their hats are. What, what's being heightened? 
the the newness of the hats is being heightened. What's beat one? Beat one is he comes and he's got a real new hat. Beat two is he comes and it's so new that it's still in the bag and still has the tags on. Beat three is Keegan comes out and he's got a display case on his head. And then the the tag or the button, which is just like one really final funny joke, the most heightened part of the sketch is the woman sewing the hat on top of Jordan's head. So that's like a very basic outline. And 90% of your work is already done. If you've outlined it like that, then it's just filling in the dialogue. Wow. that I want to take your class <laughs> like right now. Do you, would you change your advice for live or digital sketch? Uh, not really, because I think that if it, with a few exceptions, if it's going to work live, it'll work great in a video. You just have to tweak it slightly. Uh, More the production. Yeah, yeah. And and I direct a, a, a show once a month at UCB called Sketch Cram, where we write an entire sketch show in one day, and then it goes up at midnight. Um. And sometimes we have a video. Sometimes someone will shoot, cast, write, edit a video in one day, and then it'll be in the show. That's cool. And sometimes we don't. And anytime the actors come in, I'll say, well, like, we have a spiel that we give them, and, and one of them is like, hey, if you prepared video sketches, rework them for the stage if you can. And I think most things can be reworked one way or the other. Uh, uh, and, you know, certain things play better live, and mm -hmm. certain things play better on video, and that's just sort of a process of elimination. Um, like that hat sketch you couldn't really do live. Yeah, you I could, mean, you change you, it. You have to change yeah, the jokes. Yeah, you could definitely you could definitely do some variation yeah. of that sketch uh, live, but obviously like anything that relies heavily on like CGI or effects or things like that, you know, li live theater even when you like try and put a gunshot in a sketch a lot of the times it doesn't work out. So anything super that like relies on CGI or post stuff, it won't work, but I will say that any sketch that you're putting in a packet, if it's if it works in the packet, it's going to work in a video and it's going to work live. Cool. So as a writer, do you ever think, so when you're writing for digital, do you ever think about your punchlines in terms of visual jokes versus, because um, I think it also takes a different kind of like way to think about it because you might need to think about it like, in a weird way, in your head, you're doing the job of like the editor mm -hmm. and like yeah. cinematographer at points. Yeah. Or do you ever feel like that? Or like yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely one of those things where I think every sketch needs some sort of visual element, uh, and not just digital sketches, but on stage also. I feel like a lot of people, like everyone, has seen a sketch that's very like talky. It's like two people sitting down and. Those can be super funny. Like, obviously, it's a, it's dependent a lot upon just the writing and uh, the performing. But when I coach, I'm always like, you got to have at least, like, one visual, physical beat in there. Uh, because it's just, it's, it's, no matter how funny the dialogue is, an audience live or at home on their computers is going to get fatigued just watching, talking. Yeah. And I mean, if you watch like Key and Peele or Amy Schumer, they do always have something where someone comes out and they look insane or this like there's a pratfall or something along those lines. So, yeah, when I'm writing for digital, I am aware of the fact that like this is a visual medium and people people want to see something funny happening. Are you ever do you ever feel restricted by like production for by example, for example, like if you're writing something 
like you are you like aware of what your budget's going to be and what jokes you have to change based on budget yeah i mean i'm a pretty firm believer in like you can do a lot more than you think with a small budget uh you know it's it's sort of the like the George Lucas of it all of like give him a small budget and maybe he'll make something brilliant give him a big budget and he like doesn't know what the fuck to do with it uh so I I think that like just from doing sketch for so many years I've seen people make stuff so cheaply and I think it can it can definitely be done and I think that if you learn to do that it's a skill like all its own uh that robot sketch that I did was a sketch that I wrote for a live show and then I got a college humor grant for it. They gave me a thousand bucks and said, go shoot this. Uh, and of course, the first thing I did was like, all right, I need a spaceship set. And the first place that I called said, great, you can rent our spaceship set for $3,000. Uh, so we ended up building the set. It's really? like, Wait, like, so you had $1,000 for that sketch? And that's yeah, it. yeah. And, we, and I had value. to find like, a, a, you know, find a director who was willing to work cheap and find a sound person who was willing to work. And, and actors... And, well, the actors, we're it was luckily, were just my my sketch team. Since, okay. since I sold it, I got to uh, figure out who to cast. So it was my sketch team who did it live. But yeah, we had to build an entire, after like a couple of weeks of calling places and being like, what can I, what can I rent? And it was going to be, no matter what, I was going to blow the entire budget on location. So then I was like, what if we build a set inside our friend's garage and go to Home Depot and get silver spray paint and fog machines and tubes and just make the crap out of that. And uh, I, I did all that with a thousand bucks and got costumes and all of this. And then when I was interviewing at Yahoo, they said, well, can you, are you just a writer or can you produce? And I said, I can produce, I produce this. I did this for a thousand dollars and they were like, holy crap, how did you do this for a thousand dollars? So I think most things can be done. I think, you know, sometimes when someone brings in a sketch and they're like, and then there's a giant ant and he, and it's like, and it comes out and it eats everyone and, and the ant like rubs its ant belly and says, mm. I'm like, is that a guy in a costume? Because if not, you better know a special effects guy who's going to do that effect for like, uh, you know, really cheap. And at the end of my spaceship sketch, there is a, uh, basically everyone wants this android to do the robot. She refuses. They end up throwing her out the out of the airlock, even though she's the one who's like flying the ship. And so of course they crash into an asteroid. Oh yeah, how did you do that? So I I have a friend who's an effects guy who I've managed to get some work for, and I was basically like, hey, how much will you do this for? And he was like, I'll do it. I'll do it for free. I realize not everyone has that luxury, but th this is like another reason to just sort of make connections because you might know someone who can make an asteroid that hit a good. spaceship. That looks so, pretty good. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, he's great. His name is Steven Sprinkles. That's his real name. So if anyone needs a, an effects guy. I think I hit him up. <laughs> I actually, I feel like I did. Really? I might have Facebook messaged. I think I was looking for an effects guy and someone mentioned his name. Someone commented really? on the comedy jobs page. He's great. He did. It it, he did so another familiar. sketch, uh, another effect for a sketch where like people were getting their brains blown out. Uh, yeah, it was it was like a buddy cop That's thing, cool. and and he was like, yeah, I'll do this. So he's he's helped me out a lot, and I in turn tag him anytime anyone needs a, an effects guy. So <laughs> That's so cool. Um, so for an independent uh, producer making sketches, mm -hmm. uh, maybe digital sketches, like what kind of so you think under a thousand dollars, like you can do a lot. 
Yeah, I definitely think like if you, I mean, again, a lot of it is dependent on like, do you know someone who has like a good camera? And a lot of it is, is, is an investment. Like I was lucky enough to be on a sketch team with a guy who had a great camera and, and some at least somewhat decent sound equipment. I think that with the amount of people in the community that are hungry to help out on things and and like direct more stuff and do more things, everyone probably has someone who has that equipment that's willing to rent it or do something for you for cheap. Now, I'm not saying like by no means should you like take advantage of people, but I talk to people all the time who are trying to build out their directing reel or, or this. And, yeah, I, and I think that it's mutually most beneficial. people- Yeah, exactly. And I think most people will- uh, be willing to come and help out on set and and in exchange for like it's something for your reel and they'll bring their equipment so I think you can do most sketches for under a thousand bucks yeah so that's really cool because Dan Peral mentioned that he mostly would because that that's a common theme of like you get friends to work for you mm -hmm. and like work with them um, a lot of his friends came from film school but it seems like you didn't really know anyone coming out here so your yeah. communities that you were a part of it seems like that yeah. is where you got your friends and talent and stuff yeah I mean if I hadn't if I hadn't joined UCB and then after that IO and then the pack and then and then the improv space and and just all these theaters that I've worked with I wouldn't I probably would have been one of those people that eventually moved back home because <laughs> I would be like well I don't know what I'm doing so I don't know how to do it and I don't know what I'm doing so wow. yeah I mean it's definitely like number one thing like get yourself in a community and then those people are always willing to help out so as like an independent producer, like when, you know, you're trying to make a new digital sketch, um, I'm, I'm torn because I'm not sure, like, do you want to do this just for, to build a portfolio or is there any hopes of like monetizing it? What's like uh, an end goal for making a digital sketch as an independent producer? Yeah, I think the end goal has to be that it's, it gets you other work as opposed to you're making money off of this one video. I think it's, it's just, it's super hard to, get money off of any one video and to monetize them. Uh, I had written a video called Guess Who that my sketch team and I shot and it somehow made its way to Tosh.0. Uh, I don't know how they found it because it had like 300 views and they were like, if we pay you 300 bucks, can we feature this video on Tosh.0? Can it be like our featured comedy video of the week? And we were like, yeah, oh man, we're gonna get so many views from this, it's gonna be on Tosh.0. And it didn't, and it didn't monetize. And we were like, whoa, we were on a show that's like specifically about this. And so I was like, but hey, we got 300, they paid us 300 bucks. It didn't get views though from Tosh.0. It didn't, I mean, it got like a very, very small bump uh, and that was it. But it's really hard to like make any money. But then I was able to like use that in, samples that I sent to people who were thinking about hiring me for writing or producing. So to me, that should be, that should be the goal. The goal should be whenever you're up for a writing job and they say, send me a sample. Sometimes they'll say, send me three video links and you have to have those video links ready and it has to be funny and it has to look good and everything. So that should be your goal. Your goal should be using that to get other paying jobs and also just like to do something fun with your friends. Uh, but it's super, super hard to monetize stuff. So that's not the best end goal. And then even to do that, it's like Heather Campbell, who used to teach level two sketch at the pack had like would do an entire 
class about how you can make money off of videos. And a lot of it is just like, you've got to be in the, in the Reddit community and you've got to be doing this. And it's, uh, that's in and of itself a huge time investment. Uh, you've got to be like contacting publications to say, hey, I have a new video out. Um, you've got to have like Redditors upvoting it. Uh, and it's just a lot of work. And to me, it's totally worth it to make stuff with your friends. Don't, obviously don't go broke doing it, but like make something that's good that you're proud of that you can use in a reel. If you want to be a director, use in your directing reel. If you want to be an actor, use in your acting reel. Uh, cause I've gotten tons of jobs just based off of my video samples and I've never, I don't think I've monetized a single one of them. Really? Yeah. Wow. So that's interesting because that's super conflicting for me because up until now, I mean a big, and I mean, I'm just still trying to understand things, but it seems like a very popular route is going viral, getting a following, leveraging that following to help mm -hmm. you get more jobs and opportunities and like sort of having these true fans. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because that is all still in like the industry at large in the larger industry is, is, still relatively new and there's you know there's a little bit of a stigma if that's how you're sort of like i've worked on shows that they sort of made us cast uh youtube stars and people who like did that kind of stuff and it's never good like everyone everyone who is is working like hates it uh i worked on a show and i won't say what show it is but we we were using youtube stars and basically the idea was, all right, we have to use one YouTube star per episode, which means we have to cast real comedians in every single other role because this person can't act. Uh, and that's not to say that all YouTube stars can't act and that if you're just sort of doing stuff just for like the YouTube audience that you're somehow less than other people, but it is a very cyclical industry. So since this is still sort of new and since it's still not really well-respected, in the larger TV and film community, it's not a great thing to just put all your eggs in that one basket. Yeah. Um, and like I said, that's in and of itself like a full-time job just to gain that audience. And to me, it's much better to have some good samples and then be submitting yourself for other work. Uh, I was just able to like refer a few people. Screen Junkies had hit me up. Uh, and said like, hey, we want you to come back in and write for, for a week at the at the end of March. And I said, I'm unfortunately staffed, but can I refer people to you? Which is something that I always do. Anytime I have to turn down a job, I say, I can't, but can I refer four people to you? And then I pick the people based on what they're looking for. And uh, the person who ended up getting the job was a girl who just had shot a bunch of different stuff and none of them, she wasn't like, None of them were monetized, uh, whereas like one or two of the other people did submit stuff that they were like, this was a, a thing that I got paid for and blah, blah, blah. And just she had like a bunch of samples and that was what they were looking for and they hired her off of that. So now, even though she didn't make any money on those videos, she now has a week-long writing gig because of those videos. So the investment's the portfolio <clears throat> in that case. Yeah, exactly. And, and jobs will always ask you for writing samples. Like you'll never get a job without some sort of sample they'll uh if you want to be a producer you have to show a sample if you want to be a director you have to show a sample if you want to act you have to show a sample and that's just the easiest way to get them and so it is totally worth the investment because it will i mean that's 
that's how I got my job at Yahoo. That's like that's how I got a large portion of my jobs. Uh, that's how I got like my job at at Break.com and working at Screen Junkies and uh, yeah, I mean that's that to me, even though none of them have ever been monetized, I've made like thousands and thousands of dollars yeah. from jobs that I've gotten from those samples. And you mostly got, like how do you get your foot in the door in the first place? Is it mostly just friends recommending you to even get seen in the first place? Have yeah. your sketches seen or? I mean, there are, there are a lot of times, it is mostly friends recommending or like people who I've worked with being like, oh, she was fun to work with. Let's see what her sample looks like. Uh, uh, but there are every once in a while jobs will come up. I've noticed it more and more in the comedy jobs where people will say, hey, we're looking for a writer, low paying job, 125 a day, whatever, send samples to this. Uh, I think you have a better shot of like through through friends and things like that or through like people that you've worked with. Um, but yeah, like it's always, I think it's always important to like have those at the ready for the, the rare opportunity when someone just says like, Hey, I just heard about this writing job. Do you want to submit? It's also like one of, I, I was fortunate enough to not, uh, have ever been like a writer's assistant or, uh, IP, IPA'd a bit, but <clears throat> a lot of the times, like I will be on set with writer's assistants and PAs and be like, that's that person's good. Like they're good at what they do. They're awesome. I want to work with them again. Uh, and so like my next job, I will refer them to the girl who got the screen junkies job is the writing partner of the writer's assistant on bunked right now. Wow. And I happened to be talking about it in the writer's room and she was very much like, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but if I send you some stuff from my writing partner, anything would help us out right now. Would you be willing to refer her? And she got that job. And wow. it's because I knew I worked with this girl and she's an awesome writer's assistant. And, and so I think it's like important to do all those sort of, uh, I don't want to say like lower level jobs because they're super important, but those jobs that like people use as a stepping stone, like it's important to like PA, it's important to get assistant jobs if you can, because those people that you meet will then be the ones like referring you for other things, but you need samples. Like you need, you need samples of videos that you've shot. That's cool. Wow. Um, so what is, um okay so the back to the youtube stuff and social media mm -hmm, mm -hmm. videos and all that the people i really look up to and admire are the people that find that happy medium of they're mm -hmm. able to leverage a viral audience but they are, they're also making quality content like good neighbor stuff mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um oh i'm blanking on the name but there is a really great group that does cgi comedy Okay, online. okay. They're super funny. Um, yeah, there's a team called Boat that's, like, really good. But Good Neighbor is, like, Nick Rutherford and those guys, right? Yeah, like <laughs> Beck and Kyle. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, they even, even they uh, – I was in 201 with Nick. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. <clears throat> this is what I get for drinking all night. You're fine. Uh, yeah, those guys were all, like – all did, um, like – comedy theater stuff and then and then from that people got to know them and then they managed to like parlay it into SNL uh but that's like super rare and I mean it's it's one of those things where it's like if you yeah if you can do that if you can be putting out regular quality content and building your audience while also like working on your portfolio and submitting for for real jobs like great a lot of people don't have that like time or money investment to put in uh, and also it's important to know that like, that's just one 
<clears throat> that's just one way to do it and it's like a super saturated market I mean you have as good a chance of doing that as you do of like getting staffed on something but it's important to sort of like be focused on all of these things at once rather than put all of your eggs into one basket and also like same with you know if you're just writing pilots and you're not in a community and you're not getting to know people and you're not like doing shit jobs and things like that you could have the greatest pilot ever but you're not really going to get an opportunity to get it seen so i think it is important to like write sketches and film sketches work on your pilots work on your scripts so that you have all these like good samples to send if you want to but then also you're sort of like building your for for lack of a better like less disgusting word your your brand as it were because there are people that will get jobs based on their online following it's 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 rare but if you can do it like awesome you know yeah um so what advice would you give someone who's just starting out and they want to you know get their first writing job mm -hmm. how would you recommend they allocate their time between meeting people and, mm -hmm. and making their portfolio and just writing things and not producing them and like what should they be focusing on yeah i mean it's it's tough because the answer is like all of it and obviously that's that's impossible um but to me the the best thing to do is to put out the word like first thing put out the word to friends, people in like your, your immediate circle. And then like maybe slightly outside of that, that like, Hey, I'm looking for these types of jobs. Hey, I'm looking to be a writer. So if you hear of anyone who needs like a writer's assistant or even like a PA on set, or if I could sit in a writer's room at some point and watch this stuff, or have you even like asking them if they've taken any really good classes that, that led to some good stuff. Uh, that's like the first step, putting the word out that like, hey, this is what I want to do and I am available for it. Uh, because a lot of times people just don't know. Like we all know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comedy people. I don't know who has a normal day job that never wants to do anything and who is like, look, I just, I really want one acting job. So I think like putting the word out there first is important. And then like being social about it. And again, like being in that community, not only like going to see live shows, but then hanging out afterwards. Again, I know, I know this is hard for like some introverts, but you know, just like meeting other people, especially if there are people whose work you admire, go to their shows, if you can talk to them afterwards. Uh, and then in the meantime, like be, yeah, just like be writing good sketches. And if you have the resources, film them and like edit them and get them up, uh, like as, as regularly as possible, uh, again, don't go broke doing that and then save all those scripts to put in a, in a writing packet. Ideally those things are going hand in hand. Uh, the job, the writing packet that got me regular show, I had my robots won't do the robot dance sketch in there. And I had already like shot that and sold it to college humor. So it was pulling double duty. And I, then I used it to get like a producing job at Yahoo. So if you have a really solid script and you've shot it, those things go hand in hand. Like you can use a video sample to get a certain type of job. You can use the script sample to get another type of job. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's no real rule to it. And I feel like if you talk to one person, they'll tell you one thing, but to me, like working on fine tuning your packet and then getting three to four really good video samples, uh, 
which like you could do it over the period of a year, I feel like is a realistic yeah. goal for four solid videos. And then in your free time, like going out to shows and socializing with people, I feel like that's a realistic like timetable of, all right, you're, you're writing and the best sketches you're shooting. And you're also putting those written pa- uh-huh. things in a packet. And you know, every Monday night you're going to Herald night and hang out with people afterwards. Yeah. That's so cool. So how do you think like maybe someone with a full-time job, how would they start to transition to something where they're writing more, but Mm -hmm. do you think they have to quit their job? Does that include you have to quit your job? Uh, I don't think so. I've heard people say that and it's always sort of insane to me because it's basically like, yeah, jump out of the airplane before you know if you have a parachute or not. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, you're doing a job that is flexible enough to let you go and do other things. Uh, like for instance, when I was doing transcription, I just requested work at the beginning of the day or my writing partner, Haley was a math tutor. So she would have tutoring clients and just know like, all right, on these three days, these times I can't do, but every other time I can. Uh, but I've definitely seen a lot of people with full-time jobs really like maximize their free time. And I think like that's, that's just like what you sort of have to do is you have to say when you're reaching out to friends and saying, I'm, I'm ready to sort of take other jobs. You just have to say like, if it's on the weekend, uh, or if it's after 7 PM, uh, luckily a lot of comedy happens on the weekend and at night. So I, I think you can do it. Just, it, you might just have to be worried about like not burning out. Um, but, and then I, I mean, ideally it's one of those things that depending on what kind of job you have, you can scale it back to part-time, but that's something I don't really advise people to do until they've at least gotten a couple of other little jobs under their belts. Uh, because you know, I've seen people get one job, be convinced that that's going to like, uh, pay the bills for the next five years. And then after six months, they're like, well, fuck, I quit all my other jobs now. And then they, they might go a year without a job. So I think the more sort of safety nets you have in place, so that you don't, cause the worst thing is like having to worry about making rent and also like doing all these other things that you want to do. It's, it's just really stressful. And you know, you want to be able to go out and socialize and not be like, all right, I have three bucks. I can get a PBR and then I can stay for like an hour and milk that PBR. Like you, ideally it's like, all right, I have somewhat of a steady, steady stream of income and that affords you the luxury of of then taking a day off here and there if you get like a really good opportunity uh you know like using your sick days or vacation days to like if a friend of yours has a video shoot and you know that that's like a sample that you're going to want to use like doing that kind of stuff sweet and do you think what kind of jobs would people be able to take kind of it sounds like you know maybe those jobs where you're working remote yeah, like saying, anything that you can remote. work from home. Uh, uh, like a lot of like tutors is is great if you can get sort of like babysitting gigs. Um, I mean, the the cliche is like a server job in Los Angeles because then you have everyone wants to do other stuff and you can sort of work two or three nights a week and make enough money to live on. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, even even like retail stuff is yeah. if you have a job where you can switch shifts with someone. Great. Um, I mean, but also like I know people with office jobs who, you know, if they if they get an audition or get a meeting like that's that's how they take their lunch hour or they lie and say, like, I have a doctor's appointment. Like, can I can I not be here for two hours on Wednesday? Uh, uh, 
which like even I'll still do that occasionally if I if I get a meeting and I'm staffed I'll just either have to be like hey I got a meeting or I'll be like hey I have a doctor's appointment so can I take off a little early uh-huh. uh, and also just like yeah I mean I think you can sort of make it work with anything but yeah like serving jobs babysitting jobs dog walker anything that is like like Lyft or Uber or Instacart I have a bunch of friends right now doing Instacart anything where you can like wake up in the morning and set your own hours so that if you got an audition the night before you can be like oh cool like I don't I don't need I'm not going to drive today or I'm not going to do this uh yeah like you know there's always odd jobs around I I think that if you're super proactive about it, you can find them. And, you know, again, like comedy job hosts, I'll see people that are like, someone come film my show, 40 bucks. And then, you know, if, if, if I wasn't working, like I would totally go and film someone's show for 40 bucks. Like that's what I would do. And how about like comedy writing jobs? So like maybe someone has the full-time job. Mm -hmm. What kind of like writing jobs would they be able to take if they're like, Oh, I want to start doing writing. Yeah. I mean, like luckily, internet jobs sometimes they'll only hire you for like three days and then it's and then you can still keep your job and just be like hey i need to i'm i'm sick or hey i'm this i'm not advocating people uh, lie to your employers but also i kind of am uh uh but if it's if it's sort of a longer term thing which you know you wouldn't have to worry about until you've gotten several of these smaller jobs then obviously you can look and be like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll quit my other job. Yeah. Uh, but for for a lot of like just online stuff, it'll be super short term. Sometimes you can work from home. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things I know like crack.com and Reductress and sort of all of those sites will tell people, hey, if you, like pitch us 10 article ideas, 10 comedy article ideas. And uh, if we pay you to write one, we'll pay you 50 bucks. And obviously that's a thing like you can, you can do that anytime. Uh, uh, and that's a great way to like build your resume, by the way, is on a site like Reductress or Cracked or uh, there's another, there's another like female heavy one that's not Reductress and I can't think of the name right now. Uh, but that's how, you know, like I've done that stuff between writing jobs i've gotten paid 50 bucks to write articles and that's a really great way to a have published samples because you can send them a direct link and be like here's my most recent reductress article and uh b make a little bit of like extra cash and not have to like quit your day job cool um that answers a lot of questions (laughs) uh we're we're basically over on time so yeah um so is there anything you want to plug or any last mm. imparting advice you'd like to give to people? Uh, let's see. So I, I do a podcast that's called, uh, it was previously called Knowing is Half the Podcast for legal reasons. This season it's called Knowing Season 3. After a year we can change it back. A season to this. Uh, uh, <laughs> And uh, that's so you can find that on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts, knowing season three. Uh, the second Saturday of every month, I direct a show at UCB called Sketch Cram. It's, the, it's at midnight on the second Saturday of the month. So come on out if you like sketch comedy. Uh, and then in terms of like last, last words of advice, just be as much as you can. I feel like I've hit, hit this over the head so many times. Be nice to everyone. Uh, because I guarantee you, if you're a dick to someone at some point, they're going to be in a position to tell someone not to hire you. 
because I've been in that position several times. So, yeah. I mean, if someone and and like alternatively, if if you find a bunch of people who you who are awesome and nice and like working with, pay it forward and help them out. And yeah, don't be don't be a dick to anyone because they will absolutely stop you from getting a job at some point. Wow, thank you. Um, <laughs> any uh, social media things that you would like people to follow you on? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Gina Ippy. Uh, don't send me weird Facebook uh, creepiness. No, no creepiness. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but follow me on Twitter if you like. Cool. Well, sweet. Thank you, Gina. I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into another episode of Working Comic Podcast. Uh, this episode was a ton of fun. You can follow me on social media at the Austin Nasso, and you can follow Gina Ippolito at Gina Ippy. So again, thank you guys so much. Check out WorkingComicPodcast.com and put your name and email down and subscribe. I changed my mind, and I'm going to be putting out a new podcast every week. So tune in. Thanks, guys.